Hi, thanks for checking out this message from our River Valley Church family here in Boise, Idaho. We hope that it encourages and inspires you. For more messages, be sure to check out our other podcasts. For more content from River Valley, go to our website, rivervalleyboise.com. Enjoy this message. Well, good morning, everybody. I love the statement that says at the end, uh, prayer is almost the greatest human privilege that we have. Uh, You know, it's one of the things that I teach our staff and our team that I think the greatest privilege that we have is when we get to carry each other's names before the throne of God. You think about all the things that we can do for each other in life, you know, serving one another, taking care of of needs, all those things. Those those are, man, it is really, maybe some of you guys need to, we're leaning this way this morning. See what David was talking about. Um, but, you know, a lot of times we, we think it's, it's the service things that we do, which we are instructed and called to serve one another. How many of you know that's a part of this journey in life and the way that we fellowship together? But one of the greatest things that you'll ever do is to bring somebody else's name before the throne of God. To know that the king of the universe, the creator of all things, is listening to your prayer, hearing that person's name come off of your lips, parents, grandparents, friends, it's the greatest thing that we can do is to take each other before the throne of God in prayer. And uh, we have been in 21 days of prayer. Um, I'm excited just for what God's doing that in our heart and life as a church. Yesterday, we gathered here at 9 a.m. and walked through our neighborhood and got to pray over uh, just the neighborhood that surrounds our church. This church has been here for over 60 years in this neighborhood right here. And um, what a privilege it is for God to have set us into a neighborhood that is surrounded by people who need to know Him. And God has given us just incredible favor and grace with our neighbors. But we got to yesterday walk through the streets of our neighborhood, just a group of us gathered here together in our 21 days of prayer, just praying that God's blessing would be on every home and every family, every person that walks through these streets. And this is kind of a, a gateway to getting onto the green belt here. So there's lots of people that just travel through here. And yesterday we just got a chance to pray that God's blessing and that His, His Spirit would rest on them. They would come to know Him in real and tangible ways. And I just want to encourage you to come be a part of those moments with us. Um, You were put by God in this city and in this time and in this day and age for a reason, because God wants your voice to be heard when it comes to praying over our city and praying over your neighbors and praying over our community, and each one of us get an opportunity to do that. And and so we've got some awesome things ahead of us when it comes to the, the prayer spaces. We want to encourage you to finish out this 21 days. We've got seven days ahead of us this week. And as David was talking about, there's a great, great list of things that we'll be praying for um, each day. We want to invite you to come and be a part of that. Um, and then next Saturday, we're going to gather here one more time and pray over our neighborhood again because next Sunday, we will not be doing this. Next Sunday, we will be gathering here and going into our neighborhood and serving our neighbors. What does that mean? That means we bring gloves and shovels and rakes and all kinds of things, and we'll walk up and down the streets, and we're going to pull weeds, and we'll help take care of things in people's yards, and we're, we're just going to be the body of Christ in our community next Sunday. Can I get an amen? amen? Come on now. So that's not the Sunday to be skipping out, y'all. Come and be a part. And Some of you are like, well, I don't know if I can walk up and down the streets and pull weeds and do things like that. If, if you're not physically able to do that, come and join us. We need people to drive some vehicles. We need people to be praying. Um, we're going to be spending some time handing out snacks and food to the people that are out doing it. So everybody can be involved next week, and we want you to come and be a part of it. It's going to be a blast. It's one of the greatest ways that we can show love to our community. Um, we will be meeting here at 9 a.m. Everybody say 9 a.m. 
Okay, so that's different than our normal Sundays. It's a little bit earlier. Um, so make sure that you come prepared um, for that. There'll be coffee, there'll be donuts, there'll be all kinds of stuff. And we have a special t-shirt for you to wear when you come. Come on now, everybody likes swag, right? So we've got some shirts for you to wear. Uh, mainly they're kind of bright and green, so nobody gets ran over out in the streets. Can everybody say amen? All right, we're thinking, right? So come and join next week. It's going to be a blast together. Uh, we'll have a really good time. And tonight, I want to remind you that we have, for those of you that serve a volunteer here at River Ride, we have team night tonight. Um, maybe you're like, I don't serve here. I've never really been a part of anything. We want you to come tonight, um, and we hang out together as a team. Um, we're going to have a big barbecue. We're going to have some fun. There's a, a bounce house, and there's a water slide for the kiddos. There's going to be a cornhole competition, so we need some of you gamers to come and join in. Um, if you don't have a partner, find one, um, and there'll be a little competition. There's even some trophies for the winners tonight. Um, just so you know, there is no trophy for second place. That's not a thing. Yeah, not here at River Valley. We don't play that way. Uh, first place gets the trophies tonight, so we're going to have some fun. Uh, but if you ever wonder what it is to, to be a part of the team here, we want to invite you to come and be, be around. We're going to have a blast together and just enjoy. That starts at 4.30 tonight. Um, great food, great fun together as we head into this. Got one more thing that I want to announce to you, and some of you have probably seen this out on social media and maybe in our newsletter and things like that. We are getting ready to hire a youth pastor. Can I get a yeehaw? Come on, there you go. We're getting ready to hire a youth pastor. Pastor Chris um, has been youth pastor here at River Valley for over 20 years. Uh, what an incredible legacy he has left for our student ministries. Um, and over the past two years, we've been talking about what does it look like to transition that space into new leadership for the years to come. And uh, Pastor Chris is also one of our elders and part of our elders team. And we are excited about the next season for him as an elder and just what God's growing him in. Um, I've roped him into preaching on some Sunday mornings, so he's going to come be a part of that space with us. But we're just excited about this new season. God's opening some new doors for him in the business space and just influence that he's gotten there. And it's time to be able to carry on the legacy of what God's doing in student ministries here at River Valley. And so we are hiring for that. Here's what I'm asking you to do, to partner with us in prayer. As we pray and seek God for who's going to be next in that role, we have some folks that are on our team here that are applying, which we're super excited about. We have some people externally of River Valley. We just, we're asking God, God bring the right person for the next season of leadership when it comes to student ministries here at River Valley. And so we're excited about that. Um, we're going to spend this next year of training and equipping them. Pastor Chris is actually going to be the one that's going to be helping hand that off. Um, and then next June will be his final time of being youth pastor at River Valley. Um, and he'll just get to settle into the role of eldership in some of those spaces. And so uh, be excited with us. Be praying with us. This is not just a hiring. This is a finding of the right person for this team in this role to serve our students and our kids and to lead in that space. So we're excited about where that's going and what God's doing in that. And uh, like I said, the rest of this year, we'll get some opportunities to celebrate Chris and just the incredible work that he's done with our student ministries team. Um, but we are in the process of hiring now to give him lots of runway to train and equip this next, uh, this next leader for us. Amen? Amen. Right on. Well, let's get into to today. Today's the final message in our, in our uh, bold prayer series, and we've, we've been spending some time trying to grow and nurture this place of prayer in our life, um, to expand it maybe a little bit, to ask the Lord what He's wanted to teach us. Um, and I challenged you a few weeks ago, and I'm going to continue to do this every time I preach, um, for you before we get into a message to just say, God, what do you want me to know today? 
So I want you right where you're sitting, right where you're at. This is a conversation between you and God. Just say, God, what do you want me to know today? What do you want to illuminate in my heart? What do you want to show me? What's this new thing that you might want to, to help me to understand? God, I want, I'm here and I want to learn and I want to listen to what you have. And here's what I want to encourage you. In these moments that we're together, um, I, I want you to be listening for the voice of God. We have communicators that come up here and share and teach through the Word of God. And I'm thankful for all of those that teach and equip us. But what we really want to listen for is the thing that God's trying to deposit in our heart. Why? Because the Word of God in you is what transforms you. We're going to give you some truth and present the Word of God, but it's the Word of God that transforms us. And so today as we get into it, um, I just want to invite you into that place of saying, God, what do you want me to know today? What do you want to show me? What do you want to teach me? What do you want to equip me with today as we get into your Word? Amen? You guys need to smile a little bit more today. Is it nap time already? Come on now. Come on. Here, here we go. Uh, here's what I want you to do. I want you to open up your Bibles if you would. Um, and we're going to read through a couple little passages of Scripture. Luke 18 is going to be our, our main passage today. Uh, and we're talking in this space of prayer. Last week, I love what Pastor Zach had to say. Um, I love, he, he gave us kind of this quote that prayer is mysterious. And I just want to affirm that. Oftentimes, we want to put prayer in this nice, clean little box that if I do this and this, this is the result. How many of you know that's not how God is in any way, shape, or form? Prayer, God, we've been given this beautiful blueprint from Jesus on some of the rhythms of prayer and how to pray, how to enter into the presence of God, but prayer is not one plus one equals two. Prayer is the place where we come before God and we gain His heart. We're inviting Him to show us how to pray. We're inviting Him to teach us the things that are on His heart. We're partnering with God in the things that He wants to do. And all throughout Scripture, we're giving this model of prayer, that prayer is not just a formula, it's a relationship with the living God. I want to just deposit that in you this morning, that prayer is not just something you do to make God happy. Prayer is something we do in building relationship with God and all that He wants to do in our lives. It's not just about talking into some nebulous space or, you know, shaking the eight ball and hoping that some good thing can... That's not prayer. Prayer is a connection with the creator of all things who knows you, knows what's going on in your life, and wants to have relationship with you in communication where we're bringing our things before him, the things that are challenging us, scaring us, the things that we're excited about, the stuff that's going on in our families and our community. And we're coming before God and saying, God, only you can change these circumstances, right? And prayer is that empowering space for that. And here's the beautiful thing I love about Scripture. Scripture teaches us that there's all kinds of prayers. How many of you know that? That's not just the sit-down Sunday morning prayers, but there, there's prayers of supplication. There's prayers of praise and thanksgiving. There's prayers of request. There's warfare prayers, right? There's all kinds of different prayers. We see this in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18. I'm just going to read this over us this morning. It says, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions, all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. So there's this reality for you and I that there, in every space of life, there's something that can be prayed in that moment. I want you to hear me in that this morning. Whatever you're facing in your life, sometimes it's the prayer of desperation. Anybody ever had the prayer of desperation? Been there, done that, right? Getting ready to be in a car wreck, something crazy is going on in your life, and there's a prayer of desperation. God, I need your help now, right? 
That's the desperation prayer, right? There's something that's going on that is out of our control. We're coming before God. There's that that place of desperation. And then there's the other spaces of prayer, the relational spaces of prayer. God, I'm just sitting with you this morning. What do you want to teach me about you? God, what do you want to do in my life? There's the prayer that's looking down the road of our life and looking the things that's going on in our family and in kiddos. If you're, a, if you're a parent or a grandparent in the room, you've probably prayed these prayers over your kids. God, I'm, I'm praying for the future spouses of my children. We've been doing that for years and years and years. Why? Because we have six kids. We really care about who they marry. Why? Because it's going to have a huge impact in their life and their destiny and where they're going. So we've been praying for those, my wife and I have, right? We've been praying for, for friends and people that we know that want, we want them to come to know Christ and experience the joy of salvation in Him, right? There's these, these places of intercession and prayer, right? And then there's sometimes there's warfare prayer. Anybody ever been involved in that? Where something bad's going on in somebody's life and we're going before the throne of God and we're saying no more of this, Right? So there's all kinds of prayers that we can bring before God. There's all kinds of engagement that we have in this space of prayer. We've been challenging you to pray bold prayers. Why? Because we have a big God. He's not limited by anything other than our faith to believe Him to do extraordinary things. You with me this morning? And so this morning, what I want us to do is I want to set some context for Luke chapter 18, because today we're going to talk about persevering prayer. And everybody groaned. We're going to talk about what it means to persevere in prayer. What does it mean to battle through, to fight through, to to war in prayer through something when we're not getting the answer the first time we pray? We all like, how many of you guys like the first time answer? It's kind of fun, right? We enjoy that. Those, Those are neat. How many of you know that's very rare? It's very rare. Today we're going to unpack why. And so let me give you a little bit of context for, for Luke. And, and, and really what I want to help you to understand is that when, when we read the early spaces in, in Luke 6 and 7 in, in Matthew about Jesus teaching the disciples to pray, they were asking, they were trying to figure out, they, they had figured out Jesus had something they didn't have, right? We've talked about this the last couple of weeks. Jesus had something they didn't have. And what they had figured out was Jesus' place of seeking God in prayer was equipping him to go do all these things that Jesus was doing. It was extraordinary. And the disciples were going, we want more of that. We want to be able to do that. Because they had tried praying for some things and it didn't work out so well for them, right? And so they were working through this process and Jesus was equipping them like every good teacher does, every good coach does, every good leader does. And he was spending time equipping the disciples. And so he he gave them this blueprint for prayer and then he started making it really practical in their life. He was equipping these guys for the work of ministry that was ahead of them. And in chapter 12 of Luke, we see just Jesus reminding them about his kingdom and that his way is different. It's very countercultural, right? We see that in Luke chapter 12. And, and, then, and then Jesus brings up some controversy. He says, hey, listen, this, this kingdom that you're a part of, it's going to bring division between you and your family. Everybody's like, whoa, I don't know if I like that. Jesus was teaching them about the culture of the kingdom that, hey, not everybody's going to like what I have to say. In fact, a lot of you religious people that think you like religious things aren't going to like what I have to say, right? Then chapter 13, he goes into it and he calls them into this place of greater faith and he lets them know that this path, this kingdom way is a narrow path. It's not a broad one, right? That there's some, some things that they're going to have to do that are going to be very different than the people that are around them. 
And he's laying out this reality of what the kingdom's about. And then in chapter 14, he, he talks to him about what, what it looks like to love people. And it's the, the prayer that Jesus prays when he's looking over Jerusalem. He has this heart of compassion. He's praying over this city and he's saying, Jerusalem, how I've longed to draw you to myself. And he was just this beautiful declaration of the heart of God towards humanity and people. He was, he was painting them a picture, and he was helping these disciples to, try, to understand a little bit what the kingdom was about. And, and Jesus then goes, and he breaks all the religious norms in chapter 14, and he, he heals on the Sabbath day. That was a big no-no. You don't work on the Sabbath in any way, shape, or form, right? Jesus is breaking all these boundaries, but what he's doing is he's teaching his disciples all the way along of what the kingdom of God looks like, what it feels like. What it means to come alongside of people in, in some hurting and difficult spaces. And, and then, then he drops the bomb on him and he tells him what it's actually going to cost them to be disciples. Jesus, I want to go to heaven and I, I want your kingdom to come. And Jesus says, awesome, here's what it's going to cost you everything. And they were like, whoa, hold on just a second here. We, we thought there was like barbecues and bounce houses involved in all of this. Come on. And so Jesus is equipping these disciples all the way along as he's walking with them. And he's preparing them for the work that they're going to have to do. And only he knows that he's leaving. But he's equipping them with all of the things that they need to know in preparation for this work that he's calling them to. And I, can I just tell you, Jesus is doing the same thing in your life, in your discipleship journey. He's equipping us all the way along the path. And here we come to chapter 18. And in chapter 18, we see Jesus teach a parable. And these parables are wonderful stories. They're illustrations to make a point. And Zach talked with us last week how, how Jesus in his illustrations loves to compare and contrast the kingdom of God with the kingdom of darkness. He, he brings these kind of intense contrasts to them. Why? Because he's trying to drive home a point into their hearts about a truth that he's trying to equip them with. And that's where we find ourselves in Luke chapter 18. We're starting verse 1 here. And this is what Jesus is doing. He's teaching another, he's taking another teaching moment here with his disciples. And, and he's, he's trying to bring them into the next level of prayer in their life, right? Because he had equipped them about eight chapters before, six chapters before on, on this blueprint of prayer. But now they're trying to work through the, this process of Okay, so does this happen every time we pray? Every time I pray, something awesome takes place. And Jesus is like, well, let me equip you a little bit more. I want to prepare you for what real life is going to be like in this journey. And so he tells them this parable. And here's what it says. Verse 1, it says, One day Jesus told his disciples a story to show that they should always pray and never give up. Why do you suppose Jesus was teaching the disciples that they needed to learn how to always pray and never give up? Because they didn't pray about everything, and they gave up when it was hard in prayer. This isn't rocket science. I'm not trying to be tricky here. I'm just, I'm just trying to bring some enlightenment to us this morning, okay? For you and I, and, and nobody wants to raise their hand in this, but, but how many of you do not pray about every decision of your life. Raise your hand, please. Cool, awesome, yeah, most of us in this room. Um, just like the early disciples, and that's why Jesus was trying to equip them with something. And how many of you ever get fatigued or tired or worn out about something that you're praying about? Anybody ever been in that boat? Yeah, me too, me too. 
See, this is a tendency of the human heart, not just something that the disciples needed to learn. Do you hear me? This wasn't something that was just good for them in Luke chapter 18 because, you know, they, they wrestled with, like, not praying about everything and they wrestled with, you know, like, not praying through on everything. No, what Jesus was teaching was a principle of the kingdom for all disciples. So I would just tell you this morning, that's you and me. Because all of us admitted, hey, we don't pray about everything. And we wrestle with this place of praying through the things that, that we are praying about. And so Jesus gives this beautiful example. And here's, here's what he says in verse 2. There was a judge in a certain city who neither feared God nor cared about people. A widow of that city came to him repeatedly saying, Give me justice in this dispute with my enemy. The judge ignored her for a while, but finally he said to himself, I don't fear God or care about people, but this woman is driving me crazy. I'm going to see that she gets justice because she is wearing me out with her constant requests. Okay, so there's the story. There's this contrasting picture that Jesus says. He's, he's, we all chuckled at it, and I guarantee you they did as well, right? When they were hearing this, there was something funny about that moment. The dude was just tired of listening to this woman nag him about having justice. And Jesus is using this to compare and contrast prayer. And here's where he goes with it. The Lord said, learn a lesson from this unjust judge. Even he rendered a just decision in the end. So don't you think God will surely give justice to his chosen people who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? That's a, that's a rhetorical. Will, will he just ignore them? Will he just keep putting them off? Verse 8, I tell you, he will grant justice to them. Everybody say quickly. Quickly. But when the Son of Man returns, how many will he find on earth who have faith? The reason I'm bringing this to us this morning is because Jesus is returning. And here's what he's looking for. Some people who have the faith to continue to go to the God of creation and say, God, move in our time. Move in my neighbor. Move in my child. God, move in my spouse. Amen? Like, who will go before God with that kind of persistence and say, God, I need you to move. Lord, I, I need my neighbor to come to know you. Who will take that kind of burden on? Who will have that kind of faith that the God of all creation is listening to our prayers and wants to move on our behalf? And the Scripture is telling us here, Jesus is coming back and He's looking for some of that faith. What does that tell you? There's not a lot of it. There's not a lot of it. Here's what I'm praying. In the Treasure Valley in Boise, Idaho, when God's looking for that kind of faith, He hears the cry of the people at River Valley Church. He hears the cry of His church in Treasure Valley asking for God to move in the lives of their neighbors. I love... Uh, we go on here, and this is a reoccurring theme that Jesus said. Matthew chapter 7, if you've got your Bibles, turn there real quickly. I'm going to uh, buzz through this. Matthew chapter 7, verse 7. Again, this is Jesus teaching. He says, keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find. 
Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, and to everyone who knocks the door will be open. You parents, if your children ask you for a loaf or bread, do you give them a stone? This is what Pastor Zach was talking with us about. Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. So if you being sinful people, once again, I just love Jesus' tenderness in that moment. You being sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will the Heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask Him? Tim, we know that verse. We know that it says, ask and keep on asking, seek, keep on seeking, knock, keep on knocking. But I've asked a lot of times and I just haven't gotten the answer that I'm looking for. Come on, we've all wrestled with that. Come on, Tim, I've asked for healing for this person and they're not healed yet. And Jesus is saying, yes, and keep on asking. But Lord, I'm tired. Lord, I've prayed the same prayer over and over and over and over again. And Jesus is saying, and I know, keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. Why? Why? Jesus is trying to teach his disciples and us as his disciples a principle through this space of prayer. In fact, we see that carried on in throughout the New Testament in 1 Thessalonians 5.17. It just says, never stop praying. I just want to ask you, is there anything unclear about that? No, it's a pretty, it's, it's a pretty easy verse for us to memorize. So there's this theme that Jesus is teaching his disciples, and this theme carries on in the New Testament. There's about 60 other verses that I could go into with you about this theme of praying and keeping on praying and pressing through and prayer and all of these things. This, the reason why is because, once again, we learned it in why, how Jesus was teaching the early disciples is we have a tendency of quitting. We have a tendency of getting tired. We have a tendency of getting frustrated and disillusioned. We have that tendency in us because we live in a world that wants things now. We live in a culture and society that tells you, you deserve everything right now. And so then we, we come into this place of prayer and there's a cultural clash that is taking place in this moment. And this is exactly why Jesus said, hey, my kingdom is not like the kingdom of this world. You got to know that. It's different. It's different. And Jesus, being the wonderful, good leader that he is, he's teaching us about this space of prayer, not for his benefit, but for ours. Here's what I want you to, to walk with me. And as I've walked with men and women of God throughout my life and watched their patterns of prayer, as I've watched God do incredible things in and through their lives, one of the things that I've noticed, and I shared this a couple weeks ago, is their persistence in prayer, their ability to go before God and not be discouraged when their prayer doesn't get answered the first time. How to go and, and kind of process through that. And it's not that God is holding out. Listen to me this morning. God's not holding out on you. He's building in us some resolve, some grit, some perseverance, some ability to press through so that when the world comes to want to wear you down, you've got more staying power than that. Come on, listen to me this morning. The Lord's preparing you to be able to do the hard work and the heavy lifting of warfare in prayer. Why? Because there's a very real battle that's going on around your life and my life, 
around your neighbors and my neighbors, around your family and my family, that if we don't learn how to have some grit, some perseverance through those things, the answer will never come in those moments. We have to learn how to to be a people that understand that the, the devil's whole desire for the world that we live in and the people that are around you is to kill, steal, and destroy. That's his agenda. And his agenda is being implemented in people's lives because there's nobody there to pray over their life and to bring the kingdom of God into those moments. That's why you and I are here. That's why the church is here, to bring the kingdom of God into everyday circumstances of people. How do we do that? Through prayer that has some perseverance to it. The work of the Holy Spirit in us is to strengthen us and to grow us, to give us the capacity that goes beyond our natural ability and brings us into the supernatural ability of God. I've played lots of sports all my life, from a little kid all the way up. I played on lots of different teams with lots of different coaches. And on that journey of athletics and sports, I can tell you the one thing that I liked the least was conditioning. Anybody know what I'm talking about? That's when the coach says, hey, get on the line, and we're going to run for a little while, and you're like, <laughs> right? doesn't matter where you're at in life or how athletic you are. The great equalizer is conditioning for everybody, right? And it's the part that we dislike the most about athletics. For those of you that are maybe more in the musical realm, it's, it's sitting down and practicing that instrument over and over and over and over again. I had a coach that really sticks out in this space to me. In ninth grade, I went to Fairmont Junior High here in town. I had Coach Pagano as my coach. Little Italian dude, and man, he was mean. Mean, mean. I got really good at shooting free throws because I got sick and tired of running ladders. And he taught us how to be a team together and persevere because we had a goal. We wanted to be city champions, right? And in, in that junior high space, there's nothing better than being the ninth grade city champions. And that was our goal as a team. That's what we wanted to do. He picked a team, brought us together. We were centralized around this place of winning a city championship. And Coach Pagano's job was to get us ready to do that. And Coach Pagano loved us being the most fit team on the court because he wanted to run hard and fast the entire time. And here's the deal. In order to be able to do that, he had to prepare us for those moments in the games. Guess how he did that? We ran a lot in practice. When I say a lot, I mean a lot, like vomiting in the garbage cans because we were so tired and exhausted. But the thing I learned from Coach Pagano was if you don't prepare for the game time situations in practice, you will never be prepared when the moment shows up. And I think about that space and I think about that what I've learned over the years of, of, of coaching, that coaching is not about imparting knowledge. Coach Pagano wasn't trying to just teach us the game of basketball. He was trying to prepare us to accomplish a goal that we had together as a team. A coach's job is preparing individuals and teams, listen, for the challenges that are ahead of them. Coaches have the ability to see with a little insight down the road, to be able to know that, hey, you know, 10, 15, 20 games into the season, we're going to be a little fatigued and tired. So if we 
put the work in on the front end, by the time we get to that point, we're going to be better in shape than all the rest of the teams that we're going to face. And that might just be the difference maker. Here's what I want you to understand, that Jesus was preparing his disciples for a time when he was not going to be with them. Jesus was teaching and equipping the disciples to be those who carried the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, who he was and what he was bringing to the world. That's what Jesus was doing. He was preparing them and equipping them. They were walking along dusty and dirty roads. They were going without food at times. They were staying up late at night and praying. They were working through the process of the things that they needed to have in order to be effective in this goal and the mission that they were on. Jesus knew what he was doing. And in order to do the hard things that were going to come down the road, Jesus knew that he had to prepare them through some of these spaces of perseverance. And guess what? That's why God doesn't answer their prayers or our prayers the first time most of the time. Because if I won one ladder as a basketball player at the beginning of season, if I won one ladder and I leave that moment going, man, I'm in shape, I'm ready to go for this season, guess what? Reality's going to punch you in the face the first time you get on the basketball court with a team that's really in shape. And you're going to get embarrassed in that moment. And can I tell you, this is what some of the disciples were experiencing in this place of prayer and ministry. They were going out trying to cast out demons. They were going out to try and heal the sick. And they were boggled as to why in the world they weren't able to do that. And Jesus would walk up and just handle the situation a moment. I taught on this a couple of weeks ago. And they were like, why do you get to do that and we don't? And Jesus just answered them matter-of-factly because of prayer and fasting. That's how these situations work themselves out. And the disciples were like, oh, Jesus, that's why you were inviting us to stay up all night and pray with you. Yeah, fellas. That's why you were teaching us to to treasure the word and to, to, to know you and to be in relationship with you and to recognize this isn't about us, but it's about you and Jesus is the whole. Yes, that's that's the preparation. That's why you run the laps. That's why you take the time to prepare beforehand. See, Jesus is looking to develop a people that when everybody else is walking away, they'll be the ones to step forward. This is why Jesus was was instructing the disciples to lay hold of the hard things, to, to fight when others quit, to help when others walk away to sacrifice when everybody else just wants to take and get for themselves. Jesus was making disciples that through prayer would learn how to be victorious and persevere and deal with the difficult situations and wouldn't get discouraged. And so that's why God doesn't answer your prayer the first time. Because He's building inside of us as disciples some perseverance to go through the hard spaces to fight a little bit for the things that we need in in our communities, in our families, and to recognize that there's some principalities and powers and things that have been established there for some time that we're going to have to make war against for a season to see God break through in their lives. See, Jesus was raising champions. He was teaching them how to fight. He was preparing them to be followers of Him in the difficult situations. And I tell you, we are not exempt from that. You are not exempt from that. I am not exempt from that. If we are going to be followers of Christ, then here's what we're going to do is we're going to learn how to persevere in prayer. Why? Because that's what Jesus teaches his disciples. That's why 
Not all your prayers are answered on the first go over. That's why some of your prayers aren't answered on the 10th and 15th and 20th and 30th or a year or two, three years into the process because God's building some perseverance inside of you and we don't know what's going on in the heavenlies, but He's trying to give us the victory. And what He invites us to is that partnership place of prayer with Him. We see this carried on in how Paul worked with Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. Beautiful passage of Scripture. Paul's speaking to Timothy, and he says, Timothy, my dear son, be strong through the grace that God has given you in Christ Jesus. You have heard me teaching these things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. In other words, Timothy, I've taught you how to pray. I've equipped you in these spaces of ministry. Here's what I'm challenging you to do now. Tim, take that and give it to somebody else. And I just want you to hear the voice of the Lord over you today. There's been teaching and equipping and training that has come to you in your life. You're sitting here this morning getting some of that. Most of us have a long history of, of God equipping our lives with the right things that we need. And here's what Jesus, the, the, Paul is instructing Timothy. Hey, don't hold that for yourself. You got to give that to somebody else. Sounds a little bit like go and make disciples, doesn't it? Verse 3 says, Enduring, su- Endure suffering along with me as a good soldier of Christ. Paul equates this Christian walk to being a soldier that goes through suffering. Verse 4, soldiers don't get tied up in affairs of civilian life for then they cannot please the officer who enlisted them. Think about that. You don't see military guys out here partying when a war's on. Do you? No. They have a job to do. They've been trained and equipped for that. Then he goes on to say, verse 5, and athletes cannot win the prize unless they follow the rules. Duh. And hardworking farmers should be the first to enjoy the fruit of their labor. Think about what I'm saying. I just want to tell you this. Is, think about what Paul is saying right here to Timothy in this morning. The Lord will help you understand these things. And guess what? Tim's going to help you understand a little of these things this morning as well. What does Paul equate this journey of faith, being a follower of Jesus, Christianity too. A soldier, an athlete, and a farmer. He's painting a picture for them that says, hey, listen, this following of Jesus is not selling ice cream. You're not going to go out and make everybody happy in this process. This following of Jesus is actually going to require some toughness in your part. Soldiers have to go through rigorous training and equipping to do what they're called to do. A farmer goes through an incredible amount of toil and labor to prepare a harvest that they get to reap. An athlete goes through an incredible amount of training. And, are you guys with me this morning? I know some of you are like, I thought this was going to be an encouraging message. It is. It is. Here's the encouragement. We are called to co-labor with Christ in this work that he's doing. And here's the reality of it. We cannot do it on our own. This is why Jesus says prayer is so important. He invites us into this place. This is why Jesus says the way is narrow. Why? Because it's going to take some hard work and some discipline. It's going to take some perseverance in your life and in mine for us to experience the reality of what this Christian walk is all about. 
I see you checking out a little bit on me this morning. Church, listen to me. The frustrations, the things that you're wrestling with in your life in relationship to God are probably not because God doesn't understand what He's doing. It's because you and I don't understand Him. The frustrations that you're experiencing in prayer and relationship and communion, all of those types of things is not because God didn't tell you what this journey was like. It's because we bought a Christianity in America that might be a little different than what the Bible actually says this journey is going to be like. It's tough. There's some challenging spaces in it. There's some suffering and difficulty. There's some perseverance needed in your life. And if, you, if we are not willing to do the hard work of prayer, if we're not willing to do the hard work of learning how to persevere, if we're not learn, willing to do the hard work of getting God's word inside of us so that when lies come after us, we have something to fight with. If we're not willing to do that, then here's what's going to happen. We're going to get beat up in a lot of these fights that we're engaging in because there's a real war that's going on around this church. The discouragement that we feel in our hearts is not because God isn't faithful. It's because we don't understand that God's actually at work in something that we've missed Him in. Come on. There's this reality that in this life, we don't have all of the answers. I I can't give you the answers as to why did this take place and why does that take place. But here's what I do know. I know the character and nature of God. The more time we spend with Him in prayer, the more that we know Him. The more that we know about Him. And it begins to answer these questions of our life. Why? So that we can persevere in the difficult moments. This was what Jesus was trying to equip the disciples to do. This is exactly what Paul was trying to teach the early church. Listen, we've got to have some perseverance in this place of prayer. Ask and keep on asking. Seek, keep on seeking. Knock, keep on knocking, and the door will be open to you. If we're giving up after one or two prayers, here's what we're not doing. We're not experiencing the breakthrough that God has for us because the the character and the perseverance inside of us is not being developed for us to actually carry the weight of the kingdom. Come on, we want revival, but we're not even willing to pray for it. We We want to see like miracles happening and around us, but we're not even willing to go and sit before the Father and allow Him to to deal with the character spaces of our life so that we can carry the reality of what takes place through miraculous workings of our hands. Come on, church. This is what Jesus was doing. He was actually giving a gift to the disciples. He was saying, listen, your character is going to be formed in the place of prayer because you're going to learn how to pray through the hard spaces. You're going to learn how to pray through those moments where you don't even know if the answer is going to come in your lifetime. And this was what Jesus was equipping them for. Here's the beauty of prayer. I'm going to give you an illustration of it this morning. Prayer is where our strength and ability end, and we tap into God's power and ability. Prayer is the place where we come before God and we say, God, I I got nothing, but you do. Prayer is the place where we access the work of the Holy Spirit that God's wanting to empower us to see His will and His work done in the earth today. He just needs some people to partner with in it. I had, I've been thinking about all this week, God, what's a good illustration of that? And yesterday our family went to the air show at Gown Field and I saw the perfect illustration of it. I want to show it to you up in the picture right here. Here's the perfect illustration. What you see before you is a P-51 Mustang, incredible aircraft, prop plane, like in its time, it was the savior of a war. Like it legitimately, when this was introduced into the war, like it, it transformed warfare. And above it, you see what is called an F-35 fighter jet today, the most modern advanced aircraft ever built. The helmet that the pilots use in the F-35 
$400,000 for one of them. The technology that is in that thing is ridiculous. And this is, this is the most perfect picture I can give you of what prayer looks like when it comes to entering and engaging with God. We are the P-51 Mustang. Putting along, having a good time, neat airplane for, for what it does in flying and all of that space. But in comparison to the F-22 and the F-35, not even close. Like not even on the same plane. they both airplanes, they both fly, but they're two radically different things. Here is what our lives look like with and without prayer. God wants to equip you to be the most deadly, powerful force on the planet today. He wants to equip you to be be someone who knows how to go through the, the difficulty and not even flinch. He wants to equip you to be the one who can see what the enemy's doing and go in and thwart that. He wants to equip you parents to be the ones that makes war over your children's lives so that they will love and serve God all of the days of their life. Can anybody hear this morning? This is what God is he's trying to He's trying to build champions. He's trying to build people that will go out and not just kind of beat the enemy, but absolutely destroy the works of the enemy. This is what Jesus said he came to do. I came to destroy the works of the devil. And here's the challenge. Many of us are trying to fight a modern day battle with a World War II airplane. Many of us are trying to to get the answers from God by using a mentality that does not work in a kingdom culture. And God's trying to invite us as his children and his his people to come into this place and say, God, we need you. God, I need your help with our family. I need your help in my finances, God. Lord, I need to know that when I step into my workplace today, God, that you're going to be there with me because there's some mean people there and I don't want to go there. Come on now. Like there's some things that you're going to face in your life. There's some challenges that you're going to experience. Maybe you're going to process through some sickness or disease or illness or family relation dynamics that are difficult and hard, and we're trying to handle them in our own strength and our own ability. We're trying to be a P-51 Mustang when there's fighter jets flying all around us, and we have no idea what's going on. And God's saying, listen, if you'll just come to me, I'm going to empower you through my Holy Spirit to actually win these fights. God's trying to equip us and prepare us. And a lot of us are saying, no thanks, Lord, I'm not really interested in running the wind sprints. I don't really want to do the ladders. I don't want to climb the hill. I don't want to, that's going to be hard work. The Holy Spirit's saying, come on, I need some champions. I need some people who will look at the mountain and say, give me that mountain. I'm, I'm, I'm going up that one. And the reason for that is, is because there is so much at stake in the world that we live in today. The souls of your neighbors and your children and your family. The people that are surrounding you today. Like God has specifically put you in their life, not for your benefit, but for theirs. They need to know him. They need to be able to look at your life and go, that person knows how to pray. They know how to go before God and fight and contend when everything around them looks horrible and bad. Come on, church. This is the kind of people that God's inviting us to be. How do I know this? Because here's what Jesus said would be the hallmark of his church, his house. When they were contesting what was going on in the temple and Jesus is flipping over tables and going crazy, he wasn't doing that because they made the house of God dirty. He was doing that because his house, the temple of God, you and me, are supposed to be called a house of prayer. Not a house of worship, 
That's wonderful. We worship God because he's worthy of it. But we're supposed to be called the house of prayer. A house of prayer where we go before God and we seek him and we align ourselves with his will. And as we pray, God moves. That should be the distinguishing factor of the church, of your life and mine. I know some of you are feeling like, man, he's just heaping it on today. No, I'm inviting you into the place of being empowered by the Holy Spirit so that you can pray into situations and fight and contend and we can see the victory of God in our lives. You know why I love going overseas? It's because when we hang out with people overseas, they don't have all the opulence and wealth and stuff that we have. So guess what they have to do every day? God, we need your help. God, we don't even know where we're going to get gas today or food today. or what. So they're praying for every little thing that's going on in their life. I want you to think about the last time you actually prayed over a meal. The, the last time you actually said, hey, God, I need your help in this conversation before I step into it. Hey, God, Lord, I, we, we need some financial help today. Lord, I need some gasoline. Right? There's just, all these, when was the last? Most of us haven't experienced that because we live in such a comfortable culture and environment. And Jesus is trying to prepare some champions that who beyond their comfort will go before him in prayer and say, God, we got to have you. If you don't show up in this situation, we're in trouble. This is what Jesus was developing in the heart of the disciples. Why? Because he knew that we were in a war. He knew that you were going to face some of the things that you're about ready to face in your life. And the only way that you're going to see through those moments is to be a person who knows how to persevere in prayer. To ask, keep on asking, seek. The mystery of heroes of the faith is no mystery at all. Heroes of the faith just wouldn't quit. They wouldn't quit in prayer. They wouldn't quit on Jesus. When circumstances challenged them, they stayed the course. I believe that there's some heroes of the faith sitting in this room today. That God's trying to develop some things inside of us that our faith would grow and expand in Him. We would trust Him at a deeper level. I want to finish with this today. 19th century pastor and evangelist by the name of George Mueller cared for thousands of orphans in England in his lifetime. And he was known as a great man of faith. If, if you've ever done any church history study, George Mueller is legendary. He would get up every morning. They would have somewhere between 10 and 50 orphans that were living in their home, didn't have a lot of money, didn't really have anything. And there were many mornings they'd get up and they would had no food. They would literally sit around the table. He would sit down with them, and they would just pray and say, God, thank you for all that you've given us. We need some food today. And time and time and time and time again, go read about it. People would knock on the door, and there'd be a, a basket full of bread and milk sitting there for them. What, just all kinds of random meals. This, this was what this guy was experiencing in his life. He didn't have any other resource. He didn't have an ATM to go to or a you know, GoFundMe account. He didn't have any of those things. They just had to go before God and ask. And literally, him and his family took care of thousands of orphans over his lifespan. He decided to pray for five personal friends who didn't know the Lord. And it wasn't until five years later from the time that he began praying for those five friends that the first of them came to faith. After five years, two more became Christians and after 25 more years, the fourth came to Christ until he died. Mueller prayed for the last person who had not yet believed in Christ until the day of his death. And that friend finally came to know the Lord after his death. In total, George Mueller prayed for those five friends 
for more than 50 years. Did Mueller lack in faith? No. That's why it took so long for this journey and process to take place for him because God was looking for a partner for the souls of these men and women that were found. I want to ask you this morning. That's a a pretty extreme example. But I want to ask you this morning, what kind of perseverance is God asking or wanting to develop in you and me? In your life? Maybe it's for family members. Maybe it's a burden for a city or a neighborhood. Maybe it's somebody who's sick and we're just praying over their life. Here's what I know. That sometimes that journey can take some time. And it's not because God isn't listening. It's because He's developing something in us and because there's warfare going on around those circumstances. Will God find in the people of River Valley a place of perseverance in our prayer life? A willingness to just go before Him faithfully every day and say, God, I'm going to pray until you move. God, I'm going to pray until this person comes to know you. God, I'm going to pray until this family member comes back. See, God's looking for some champions in faith who will learn how to persevere. This is how Jesus trained his disciples, and it's how Jesus is training us today. Will Will we be a people who will stay the course in prayer and in faith to see God do what only God can do? And will we stop trying to be the P-51 Mustang, getting a little of it done on our own, and will we enter into the power of the Holy Spirit working through our lives to see God do extraordinary works through us? Here's, here's what I believe. Here's what I've been praying for for years and years since I was a little boy and a teenager in this, in this house, this church right here. God, would you come and do something extraordinary in our city in this day and age, God, just like I read about in other books and places in the Bible. That's where I'm at. Why? Because I just know the God of all creation. And he wants to do extraordinary things in people's lives. Why? Because he loves people. And he's looking for some folks that will stand with him in partnership and prayer to see him move in their lives. Amen? I want to pray over us this morning because I, I believe that there's some faith step that God wants to take in our lives today. I don't know about you, um, but as of, we process through this series, and this is why we do this a couple times a year, I just feel God drawing me into a deeper place of prayer with Him. To be one who, for a lack of a better term, is not wimpy in this face of prayer, but who's got some staying power and some grit to fight, to see God do what He says He'll do. And as I pray over us this morning, I'm just believing that God's going to put a greater deposit of faith in us to believe Him for the miraculous in our lives. And that we would be a people that know how to pray to know how to seek Him and don't give up when things get hard, but we stay the course in the space of prayer. You guys with me on that this morning? So, Father, today as we close our time together, Lord, we, we ask, Lord, that You would come and do in us exactly what You were teaching the disciples, Lord. Lord, that we would be those who are persistent in our pursuit of You and in pursuit of the things that You desire to do, God, in the world and the community around us. Lord, as we see our friends and family, as we see those that are far from you, as we see coworkers and people struggling with things in their life, God, you placed us in those relationships, Lord, so that we could bring the kingdom of God to those moments. And God, I'm praying that you would help us with perseverance. And Lord, what I know that means is 
Lord, that you're going to take some time to, to pull us through the process, God, of having persevering prayers, to not give up and to not quit. And Lord, I pray that inside of us, through the power of your Holy Spirit, God, Lord, that we would have some staying power in the area of prayer. And God, I pray that one of the things that River Valley and our church family would be known for, God, is that we are a people of prayer, that we are a people of faith, and Lord, we know how to stay the course. And so, Lord, we pray that over our lives. Lord, I pray that over every home, every family, every parent and grandparent, every individual in this room today, and those that are listening online. God, that we would be a people, Lord. Lord, to pursue you in prayer, God, and are vigilant to the end, God. Lord, of standing in the gap for our world, for the community around us, and for the people that you put into our lives. Lord, we thank you for it, in Jesus' name. Thanks again for listening to this message from River Valley Church. Do you know someone who would be encouraged by it? Make sure to share it with them this week. Again, for more content from us, please check out our website at rivervalleyboise.com.